0: hey everybody welcome to tech connects dice's podcast where we dig into the topics on tech hiring recruiting and careers that matter to you i'm your host nick kolakowski and i'm going to talk to great guests every month about the current state of the tech careers world including taking the temperature of the tech job market the hottest tech skills what companies are doing to attract and retain technologists in a historically tight market and much much more our show's first guest is art zaley who's the ceo of dhi group which is the parent company of dice Art is a technologist himself, which is one of the reasons why he's so passionate about both advocating for technologists as well as helping organizations build the right environments and hire the tech professionals who power their growth. After leaving the Air Force as a captain, Art founded tech companies, scaled tech companies, ran tech companies. Basically, if it involves tech in a company, he's done it, which puts him in the best possible position, frankly, to talk about the state of the tech industry at the moment. And of course, it's an interesting moment. As you'll hear during our chat, the tech unemployment rate is notably low, 2.1% in May, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's just a slight uptick from 1.7% the month before, which was one of the lowest rates in years. The Great Resignation, as it's so-called, has spiked demand for tech skills and compelled millions of technologists to go out and often find better offers for their skills. At the same time, though, some organizations, economists, and technologists are beginning to get nervous about what's going on in the industry. Some prominent companies, including Coinbase, Meta, formerly Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Snap have all reported either hiring slowdowns or outright hiring freezes in recent months, with other startups like Carvana announcing layoffs in the past few weeks. I've heard a few voices wonder out loud if there's going to be a tightening in venture capital that will cause startups to implode, and even in a worst-case scenario, unleash a repeat of the dot-com crash of 2000, which would not be a great situation for anybody, quite frankly. Of course... When you think about it, though, not every company's survival hinges on venture funding. And not every company is involved in a risky industry, like Coinbase with cryptocurrency, or throwing billions of dollars behind a risky strategy, like Meta with the augmented reality stuff. Organizations everywhere, of all types and sizes, need technologists for a variety of important tasks, from building websites, to analyzing data, to ensuring that a mobile app stays running. Those companies will need to keep hiring technologists, no matter what might be happening in certain sectors of the economy. So like I said, it's a really busy and interesting time in tech at the moment. During this conversation with Art, we'll touch on pretty much everything I just mentioned, including why he doesn't think organizations, or technologists for that matter, need to be too concerned about the tech hiring landscape at the moment. The fundamentals, as they like to say, remain strong. Well, thank you for the for the few minutes, I guess, that we're yeah. going to kind of talk about the tech industry and you know hiring and everything else kind of within that. Um, During, when you and I were, you know, kind of sharing notes and so on, before the podcast, we were kind of drifting into the areas of tech hiring and retention a little bit. Um, Tech unemployment right now, as you well know, is 1.7%. Super low, still. The slightest of upticks from 1.4% the the month before that. And, I mean, it, it seems like it's a good situation for technologists, obviously, because there is, you know, intense demand for their skills, but it also creates a conundrum for companies where you know, they're they're doing desperately anything that they can possibly do to retain talent. And I'm just wondering, because you have this enormous sort of 35,000 foot view of the hiring industry and tech and so on, I mean, what is actually working out for companies in terms of hiring and retaining? Like, what strategies are they resorting to?
1: I think that's a great and very timely question for right now. I would say that a lot of our clients are talking about how they don't have the same amount of firepower mm-hmm. that the tech giants and the coasts have clearly. And those folks are essentially, um, releasing their constraints around geography so they can have, um, uh, you know, job postings that essentially seek people in Whitefish, Montana, yeah. wherever the case may be. And so my suggestion is to look at what technologists want and to home in on those areas that can be a differentiator for you. So as a good example, Just given the nature of being a technologist and always wanting to be ahead of um, your career by working on projects that expose you to new skills, I always tell them that hiring um, technologists really comes down to making sure that they feel like they have the right environment to facilitate their skills. Mm -hmm. That means that you really talk about your training program. You talk about the fact that you're always constantly, you know, dedicated to them upskilling And in the case of uh, DHI Group here, for example, we looked at that last year, we evaluated several different um, platforms of interest to technologists, and we decided we're gonna get a membership, a full uh, engineering team membership to O'Reilly. Now O'Reilly is, if you're not familiar with it, Mm -hmm. they're the books that have the kind of uh, funny animals on the covers, and they go pretty deep in terms of technology, so we have, Created that membership for everybody at DHI Group in terms of the technology organization. They can go on and create their own tracks of training, but that's just one example and in a, a limited one. Like for example, we also believe that um, you know sending people to important events now that they're happening again, like AWS uh, Invent, mm-hmm. uh, is super important for them to make sure that they keep um, relevant with their skill sets. Yeah. So again. The idea of training and education is super important to the technology community, and that's one of the areas that I, I see a f- huge differentiation between companies and their dedication to it.
0: Interesting. The uh, I mean, one of the other things that I've been seeing, and we do this here, obviously, but, I mean, you have, you have the pandemic sort of put this new emphasis on flexible and hybrid schedules. Yes. And so on. And the interesting thing that I've been seeing lately is that, for example, you know, some of the big tech companies like Apple and Google, um, you know, they, they've embraced flexible work. You know, everyone comes in the office three days a week, and their technologists want even more flexibility on top of that. Where one of Apple's most prominent machine learning experts, like this director-level guy, left because he wanted like full-time all remote work, and then immediately went to Google because Google's differentiator was okay, Apple won't give this to you, but we'll give this to you. Um, You know, I mean, there's this discussion about how, you know, hybrid work is sort of table stakes and so on. Um, Do you think that kind of going forward, do you think, I mean, hybrid work, it's here to stay? Or do you think, you know, there's more of a push towards remote work? I mean, now that we're sort of in this, we're thinking more long term, how do you see that whole?
1: It's it's a great question. It's very relevant, I think, for everybody that's planning for how their office environment should Mm -hmm. work for the next several years. I think that... A lot of companies have opened up to remote work. Mm -hmm. We clearly understand that, especially as technology workers, we can be effective in a work from home environment. That was proven by the pandemic. Um, When it comes to hybrid, I think that's what more and more companies have to go to, and it has to be very, very flexible. Um, In the case of um, Apple allowing for, you know, two days per week to be off. I don't think that's that flexible. (laughs) I think that, you know, depending upon your conditions, your personal status, commute distance especially, uh, but family status, uh, it should be open to the individuals as to how often they want to be in the office. But when they want to be in the office, they do want to be in the office. When they want to be at home, they want to be at home. So I think that idea of hybrid is becoming the norm uh, for the technology sector and those companies that are trying to attract Mm -hmm. technology candidates. Um, but I think it's got to be much more flexible than what I've heard from, for example, Apple and others.
0: Are recruiters leading with that? I mean, when they're when they're approaching candidates and so on. I mean, are they leading with training and education? Are they leading with with remote and hybrid work? I mean, what's what are you seeing as sort of the emphasis that they're putting when they're trying to pull people in? Like, what's the I,
1: I think that the topic? real um, first message is remote and hybrid, mm-hmm. and then the second message would be those differentiators for the company itself. Yeah. And, and I also do think that you know it's not just training and education as a differentiator, but more and more companies are leaning into the idea that they have to explain their culture, their mission, why their mission and what they're doing is important in society. So this idea of corporate branding is also becoming important. But there's no question; I think the hook has to be you know the nature of the work um, style that they are being asked to accept, mm-hmm. and and if it's hybrid. That's best remote qualified also for those candidates that just want to be remote 100% of the time.
0: And you think it's going to be permanent? you don't think there's going to be any sort of snapback to more in-office work or anything like that?
1: I don't think so. Uh, You know, I hate to say this, but I think that those companies that are more rigid about their schedules Mm -hmm. and their um, work kind of environment are those that... um, you know, have experienced that for a long period of time. And as we have more and more leaders that move up in their organizations coming from millennials, Gen Zs, they're just gonna say, you know, this this has worked for us. We don't need to go back to the way it was before. So I always tell a story that I was sitting at a, a dinner party with a, um, a friend of mine and his father uh, was in the radio business and his father was in the business for multiple generations. He's retired now. And, and, he, and I told him, you know, people have the ability to work from home or work in the office. It's completely up to them here at DHI group. And I think that's the future. Yeah. And he goes, well, how do you know if they're actually starting at 8 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> and, you know, that's such an outdated idea that you're, you know, asking people to sign up to a certain schedule as opposed to your output, your deliverables, you know, whatever you are asked to do to make the company successful. So, I think as that kind of attitude works its way out of the leadership suite, I think you're going to find more and more companies just saying, hey, it's working great, and we appreciate the fact that we can have work-life balance.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, there's, and I've seen this pop up again and again, where... There, there, there is a manager fear that somehow people like uh, who are on a remote schedule or hybrid schedule, you know, slacking off or something like that. And a lot of the advice that I've also seen for those managers is, you know, kind of hide in communication loops, you know, and, and, you know, whatever, whether it's Monday.com or whatever, like, you know, tracking software to ensure that everyone's kind of on track and so on. I mean, do you, what's your, I mean, if a manager were to come to you and ask for advice on like handling a hybrid workforce, I mean, especially given the lessons learned, like what would you tell them?
1: I would say you really need to focus in on what you're asking your people to do. Uh, we use the system of OKRs here, mm-hmm. obviously um, objectives and key results. You should really define what constitutes success and then look for that deliverable, mm-hmm. but not track people's time. In fact, I think that's kind of spooky. That's another, you know, Area where I think just based on the generations that are involved, mm-hmm. they, they, the older generations might be homing in on that as a quote-unquote solution. It's not a solution to anything. It's a, it's, it's, make, it's, it's kind of um, big brotherish for sure. And I think more and more, especially in the technology community, people are geared towards not how many lines of code you wrote. That's such an outdated principle. Uh, they're, they're really focused on. Did you deliver on what you committed to deliver? And does that really make the business move forward and succeed?
0: Yeah. I mean, all the, all the data that we've seen, you know, in terms of like Gen X and Millennials and so on, where, like, you know, the overwhelming preference for hybrid workers, so on, it would seem to me that it would be a, almost a retention issue if you didn't follow that line. I think so, too. Uh, I,
1: think so. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I'm kind of surprised that on DICE today, 36% of the... Uh, jobs that are posted are remote qualified. I'm actually surprised that it's a lot. It's not a lot more.
0: I'm surprised, but I mean,
1: we we actually have a, a lot of uh, different industries represented in Dice. So a lot of people think that we just cater to Amazon and uh, Google and Meta and but we have Disney and we have Walgreens and we have Home Depot and Geico. Yeah. And so I think that's what's happening is that you know we have all those different industries and they haven't necessarily honed in on this idea that it's really important to be flexible just yet but they'll have to get there
0: and it's interesting cuz i mean you said this a couple of times before too where i mean essentially every company is a you know tech company now like i mean even the most sort of analog mom and pop shop still needs a web developer or something like that and it's just it's interesting cuz i mean especially over the last week or two meta and some other, you know, Coinbase and some other companies in certain niches have, you know, entered like a hiring slowdown or like something within their specific sure. industry. And that, and it's, when you talk to people, they're like, oh, you know, you know, is this like a repeat of like the year 2000 or whatever, or things like slowing down catastrophically. And you sort of, I mean, at least from my perspective, it's almost that, you know, the companies that are doing the hiring slowdowns, because it's their specific niche, like the metaverse isn't being built as fast as Meta thought or whatever, you know, it might be. Yeah, I think that,
1: I mean, each... One of these articles obviously makes the national news and um, the the media is looking for any kind of sign on the horizon that there is some kind of a a recession that's ahead of us. And so they'll pick up on those kind of signals. I personally think they're situation specific. Um, In the case of, for example, Meta, they uh, came in for first quarter earnings at the low end of their revenue growth range. Mm -hmm. So that kind of surprised people. And then they were down 29% year over year mm-hmm. in terms of net income and so people are saying this company is not as profitable as it should be or that it was expected to be mm-hmm. so the natural reaction would be the company should do something to improve their finances and then the same could be said for uber uh it could be said for you know several of the other companies that uh, reported in a manner that missed expectations another great example is Robinhood. Okay. but i think that the bigger you know picture can be seen in terms of as you indicated earlier the unemployment rate which mm-hmm. still is hovering 1.3 to 1.7 mm-hmm. and bounces around uh, sometimes they have to restate the unemployment rate because you know they figure out that they didn't have the right um, data you know multiple periods after they reported it and and then also more significantly the number of open tech positions mm-hmm. now the number of open tech positions has sequentially gotten uh, bigger since the beginning of this year, since January. Yeah. And there was 1.1 million open tech positions for the first quarter in total, which is up 43% over first quarter of last year, yeah. 43%. Yeah. So if those open tech positions uh, continue to get bigger, that's the bellwether for me. Mm-hmm. And they are right now. That's not to say that they're, they don't have to go down and there's some seasonality, like there's not as many open tech positions in the summertime, for example. But we still see very positive trends associated with tech. Mm-hmm. And again, I think those other uh, individual companies are very situation specific.
0: Yeah, I mean, the other thing too, I was just looking at Comp- Tia's data before this, I mean, niche things that companies would probably pull back on if there really was a crisis, like, you know, artificial intelligence positions tend to be you know extraordinarily well compensated, and so that's a big budget bite, but you still see the numbers increase in yes. tech hubs and so on, like they're still hiring they're not drawing back on like special projects or things like that which is encouraging i think so things you like know the that. other
1: interesting um data point that i read uh there was a report that was issued by mckinsey in the first quarter mm-hmm. that indicated that um on average companies accelerated their digital projects by three to four years as a result of the pandemic oh, wow. they yeah. just didn't realize that they were so far behind and they wish they had a better online presence or you know, digitization of certain aspects of their business mm-hmm. or the oh, better work from home environment for mm-hmm. that matter. And so again, we see these real strong, I'd say tailwinds coming out of the pandemic. And we do believe that this is kind of like a long-term trend. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you looked at the data points from the year 2000 associated with the Bureau of Labor Statistics mm-hmm. for technology positions, it's been constantly up and to the right. Oh. I mean, even, you know, there was small, depressions in that line for the dot-com implosion for 2008 Great Recession also for uh, the pandemic in 2020 but they were really small dimples on what's otherwise a strong you know kind of trend line towards more technologists in the United States as we become a much more tech enabled economy
0: yeah. And and in terms of the line continuing up in that direction, I mean, do you see any sort of like headwinds or anything like that? Or do you just think it's going to be No,
1: I I, I honestly don't. Um, I mean, unless you call, you know, the ability of AI to write its own code to be a a headwind, because at some point you don't need uh, developers, you know, the -hmm. the developer uh, process is somehow fundamentally changed. But I I don't see that myself. I think that's far off into the future.
0: The, um, it's funny because, like, there's, over the last several years, obviously, there's been, like, the no-code, low-code yeah. platform thing. And it's, it's they always say that, you know, Google, I think, like, two years ago put out a platform that was supposed to be, like, no-code game building. And then Microsoft did something else. And it's, like, they're always interesting. And it seems like developers tend to treat them as tools. But nobody really sees that kind of level of automation as a threat to software developers. Because there's a creativity element involved that these platforms can't. Do.
1: That's right. And I yeah. mean, I'd say, you know, having dabbled in it myself, most of these platforms are super simple. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying to solve simple problems. Like, if you are trying to gather data from Tableau or some kind of a mm-hmm. data um, warehouse as a member of a finance and accounting team, mm-hmm. you can use low code to essentially. Create a small application that gets you something that's going to be reported, right? But I mean, it's not something that allows you to really get to a level of sophistication like we have here at uh, DHI Group or most technology firms, where you know Java as a language and as a framework is super, super sophisticated. Yeah, it's just orders of magnitude more sophisticated.
0: I just yeah, it's people who aren't in tech don't think of it as like a creative job. I mean, like it's all about thinking around corners and stuff, right? Constantly for everybody you know, whether you're a sysadmin or a developer or what have you.
1: Totally agree. I, in fact, I mean, I would say that most developers like hanging out with artists and other people that are highly creative because they view their life as being inc- incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. They they view that as their community. Yeah. It's kind of, most people don't acknowledge or understand that, but, you know, it's highly creative.
0: Yeah, no, it really is. Um, the other thing, I mean, what, you know, when we were, we were sort of, prepping all this, we were talking about kind of the role of diversity and DEI yes. within organizations. And when you talk to people who are not, skeptical is the wrong word, but I mean, certainly with DEI, some people think that it's more like kind of window dressing, but then there's data that shows that, you know, especially younger technologists like want, they, they need diversity. They want to work yes. for more kind of diverse companies. So, are you seeing kind of industry-wide like kind of a, a tilt towards like this embrace of DEI and diversity? I mean, is it something that companies are really realizing they need to
1: do so I would say there is a lot of discussion of the topic Mm -hmm. but not a lot or enough action and we're seeing that because we have our diversity and equity um, report that we issue every year Mm -hmm. and the numbers aren't substantially moving in the positive direction I think that most people believe that they um, aren't seeing the level of diversity that they want Mm -hmm. from their workplace but I think to your point You know, the the younger generations in in general want to see diversity. They um, appreciate diversity. There's no question that uh, when you look at the studies, diversity really does help in any creative endeavor. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, as we were just talking about, coding is a creative endeavor. People want to see that diversity. But again, I would say, unfortunately, I can't be that positive just yet. We hope that our report essentially wakes people up to the fact that, there isn't enough real diversity that's happening inside of tech and so they they recognize that they have to fundamentally do something different and not just talk about a commitment to diversity but really make a change in the way that they operate their business it's it's really disconcerting
0: because every year and for the report we did this where you analyze you look at what meta and google and apple and sap i mean they all put out their diversity reports every year you know they're very kind of glossy you know beautiful web-based reports and like the but the percentages of tech uh, staff technologists from underrepresented groups like even with all the effort they say they're pouring into it only increases by a couple of percentage points yes I mean it's glacial
1: yeah I mean that's the best way to put it is glacial and, and clearly I mean you have to be committed very thoroughly as an organization to understanding your biases in mm-hmm. hiring practices you have to be committed in many cases to the actual targets that you're trying to achieve. You have to actually have targets. You have to know what you're benchmarking against, right? I mean, because the technology industry is different than other industries in terms of its diversity. So uh, I think it's, you have to be very thoughtful about your approach and I don't see that happening enough. Obviously some of those larger companies like Google and Meta, they have the resources, right? I mean, they have entire teams and organizations and and um, you know, uh, uh, the resources that can get them there, but uh, I'm not happy with it myself.
0: Yeah. Does it just take commitment on the part of companies being installed? I mean, is it, I mean, obviously the resources are, like anything else, it's resources. But I mean, is it just like everyone just needs to align, like we're going to do this, and then they're patient? Or I mean, what is, what's, the, what's the... I think that,
1: or? you know, as in anything that's like strategic, it has to be tone at the top. You, mm-hmm. you have to have the organization's leader mm-hmm. say, this is important for our organization. Show the data to the rest of the team. Say, we're not where we need to be. Mm-hmm. Take them through like unconscious bias and hiring training, Mm -hmm. uh, understanding what it means to be an ally, um, you know, diversity and equity inclusion training in general for the entire company. But you have to like really show people that it's important to you and it it can't just be a division that's assigned to it that writes a glossy or a a report that has a glossy cover on it. Yeah.
0: And it also seems like a years long process. It's not something. Yes, I think it is a years long process.
1: I think that's fair too. Yeah. And then, you know, I think part of what helps uh, companies like ourselves mm-hmm. at, at DHI group is that we are now hiring remotely which means that we could hire into populations that are more diverse mm-hmm. you know we have a, a, a major office obviously as you know in Des Moines Iowa mm-hmm. well you know the, the nature of the population itself the indigenous population isn't as diverse as I would like it to be and nevertheless we can you know kind of skirt that by hiring people remotely yeah. Which I think is is a long term trend that helps all organizations that that are committed to this.
0: So it seems like remote is almost the solution to a lot of stuff. It's not just yeah. like the talent thing. That's exactly right. Thing. I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting. Thing. Yeah, it's
1: always been there too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just I mean, it's it's one thing that I realized during the pandemic was that I mean, had the pandemic happened a decade ago, I mean, everything with broadband and everything, it's so fast now that I mean, even highly specialized tech jobs can be done remotely yes absolutely
1: you know in fact they always said that you couldn't um you know manage systems remotely Mm -hmm. and coming from a data center uh company that was my last company Mm -hmm. uh, we had technicians that were inside the data center and they were rebooting things Mm -hmm. now all those kind of remote management tools are very accepted as practice and to your point about broadband you can press a button and it immediately happens uh, you know a thousand miles away
0: yeah Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, whenever I look at the data from CompTIA and so on, like the number of jobs that are remote, but they're intensive, like cybersecurity jobs or whatever, they think you kind of need to be like within the, you know, behind the firewall and within the org in order to do, like they're just, they're doing them from like, yeah, Yeah, it's it's crazy.
1: The tools are there to do anything remotely, even half a planet away.
0: Yeah. I mean, and certainly in terms of when we look at all these reports, you know, we analyze all this data, whether it's the BLS or CompTIA or whatever, what we are seeing is, you know, you obviously have your traditional tech hubs like Silicon Valley and New York City and Seattle and so on. But now you're starting to see a proliferation of, you know, Pittsburgh, even Huntsville, Alabama, et cetera. Like all these places are suddenly seeing kind of these tech communities emerge, um, and they might be small. They might be consolidated around one or two companies, but like they're they're definitely out there and they're growing. Um, do you think that? I mean, as things progress. Do you think even the concept of a tech hub per se is going to be outdated that everything with remote and so on is just going to sort of be evenly distributed or
1: i still think that there's going to be tech hubs but they're going to be in um unique places in the united states not mm-hmm. the coastal cities where they've always been like uh, san francisco seattle new york washington dc mm-hmm. i think you're going to see the emergence of places where there is like creativity
0: yeah.
1: and getting back to that notion that Uh, especially the technology community considers themselves to be creative and solving problems continuously. That's the nature of the job. So people ask, like, why Pittsburgh? And I answer, there's actually a book that was written years ago uh, by a professor uh, named The Creative Class. (laughs) And by creating more culture inside of Pittsburgh, there was a conscious effort to essentially bring in engineering firms Mm -hmm. because they like to hang out with other people that are creative and that's happening in Austin, Texas and Places like Charlotte Mm -hmm. and all these and Nashville for that matter You see this kind of confluence of people that are creative that want to be around other people that are creative And I think there's gonna be more vibrant communities like that
0: And It's interesting because for years sort of the idea like why Silicon Valley and San Francisco for example got so big was that you had this confluence of circumstances like you had you know access to a major international airport and you had VC funding and the university pipeline for talent and so on. Do you think that kind of the rise of remote work and so on and all this kind of remote tech, do you think that helps kind of mitigate like a lot of those factors that kind of kept things consolidated? Yeah, I really
1: yeah. do. I really do. In fact, uh, now as one example, you know, we used to have a pretty large number of venture capitalists here in Denver. Mm-hmm. Now the majority of the venture capital is coming from outside of the state. That's so awesome. having, Proximity to venture capital really doesn't make any difference in terms of the vibrancy of a technology community, in my opinion. But I think you know, you still need to be near an airport to a certain degree because there's still a need for some amount of travel, and there's only a certain amount of tolerance that people have, you know, getting in a in a car and driving three to four hours for an airport. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that it's loosened up that that notion of what constitutes the right ingredients for a tech community to thrive. Like they always classically said, to your point about Silicon Valley, having all those ingredients coming together.
0: And that's great. I mean, it's also great for technologists in the sense of if you're a software developer in somewhere in Kansas City or something like that, you don't have to think about, you know, I need to move to San Francisco. If I want to make it, I can do it from from here.
1: That's exactly right. That's or, or Salt Lake City. Or, yeah. you know, all the other places that we were just talking about.
0: Yeah, and it's great for companies as well because then, you know, I mean, as long as you embrace remote, you can
1: yeah, anywhere. you can yeah. find the right people, and, and it makes for like a much more vibrant kind of environment and solves for the diversity, hopefully. Hopefully,
0: yeah. And that's it for the episode, folks. I love talking to Art because he has such a comprehensive view of what's going on in tech, and we've had some big takeaways from this talk that I'll summarize for you here. First, despite what you might see in the news in terms of hiring slowdowns or freezes, those are often very specific to certain tech companies. For example... Many social media companies are being squeezed at the moment because Apple's new privacy regulations are impacting how they can leverage user data for advertising. Overall, the tech hiring market remains strong. Second, it's not just about Silicon Valley, Seattle, and New York anymore. Cities across the country, big and small, are benefiting from the rise of hybrid and remote work, which allows new communities of technologists to spring up everywhere. Third, there's demand right now for all kinds of tech skills, from software development to project management to data science. Whatever a technologist interest, chances are really good there's opportunity out there. And given that demand, recruiters and hiring managers will need to figure out the right mix of benefits and perks, such as work-life balance, that allow them to truly stand out from the hiring competition. So, with all that in mind, we'll see you next time. And remember, DICE is your best resource to find the tech talent you need to fill your open roles. And for technologists, the best place to grow your tech career.